Hello, and welcome back to the Nomadic Curiosity Podcast. It is I, Zachary Madison. Yes, it has been a while. It's been some wild stuff going on spiritually. I think all those out there that uh, really live by this stuff know exactly what I'm talking about. There's so much dense energy that you can encounter in your life. Like, for instance, if you ever met somebody who suffers from extreme anxiety, you know, everybody has, you know, a, a fair amount of anxiety that they deal with, some more than others. Some may claim they don't have it at all, but let's be honest, they're just not being honest. Everybody has some bit of anxiety every now and again. You get anxious before something. You're telling me that if you've never gone up and spoken in front of a big crowd, no matter how many times you've done it, you still get a little anxious. Maybe, like, you know, if you do it for a living, it's a little bit different, but I'm sure there's other things you might get anxious about, like peeing in front of somebody or, well, I don't fucking know. But the point is, that massive load of that massive load of dense energy that comes along with with severe anxiety. I'm talking about like every single situation that you're about to encounter is met with this anxiety. Something's wrong. Uh, it's not going to go good. What are they going to think about me? What, whatever, whatever that might be. You know, it doesn't even have to be that, like, sometimes anxiety is just subtle and powerful. You just feel it. You're just kind of like, oh, no, screw this. I'm not doing it. I can't do this. You don't even really know. You don't really understand it. Well, that's what I mean, folks. And that's what I mean about anxiety today is this really severe, an exaggerated case of anxiety, we'll say. What comes along with that is this very dense energy. When you are working in the spiritual community, you inevitably encounter mental illness. Whether it be uh, somebody that you're working with, or just uh, the people that gravitate to you in your life, or maybe as you yourself suffer from mental illness, and your spirituality is your way of uh, channeling the mental illness. The the you know say anxiety, depression. That's kind of where I'm going at. I don't necessarily mean like schizophrenia or borderline personality, although those things have potential for, you know, things. I'm just specifically talking about depression, anxiety at this point. Um, that, that stuff is actually just so common. I mean, without getting into too much detail, I've dealt with my fair share of anxiety and absolutely met my fair share of depression believe me i've been through i've been through the works i've been to some real low places i've been to some high highs too it's really easy to want to hold on to those highs but lose those lows it always seems like the lows prolong way longer than the highs am i right maybe i'll get to that in a minute but That anxiety, say when it comes to just confronting 
other people in general, speaking to other people, just a fear of socialization, that's a really common anxiety. A lot of people get it. I don't know if it's like super common, but I tend to meet a lot of people in my life that end up kind of gravitating more towards antisocialness. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself antisocial or reclusive, maybe a little hermetic at times, like I like to, I like my alone time, but I don't tend to shy away from social interaction or, or being around groups of people and stuff. I can find it to be pretty fun, but um, a lot of people in my life aren't really like that. You know, I always kind of thought it was just kind of normal to go about your day and if you encounter large groups of people, that was just kind of it. Like you didn't really have to be afraid of that. But as I got a little bit older and I started developing some anxiety issues, which coincided with, you know, uh, some other things in my life that I wasn't taking care of, um, I really started to really hate being in crowds. Like if I went to a concert, oh my gosh, I was just like laying on the nicotine and just like miserable, headache, just grinding my teeth, shut down, I didn't even look around, didn't want to talk to anybody. And that was different for me, you know, like I'm not normally like that, but I've gotten like that in the past. You know, and it's weird, this density of energy. I keep saying density of energy for a reason, which I'll get to in a little bit. But, um, that energy of anxiety is so common nowadays it's overlooked it's almost socially acceptable to be anxious and depressed like if you're not it's almost like there's something wrong with you or there's just so many people that have anxiety and depression that if you don't have it you almost not necessarily feel left out but you you feel like like you just can't understand a whole group of people a whole like hunk of humanity a whole hunk of people at least in our society it's so hard to feel like you can understand them and sympathize or empathize with with somebody who's suffering from chronic anxiety and depression um, if, if you've never experienced that or, or if you have had very little exposure to somebody that has. Um, you know, that's a that right there causes a lot of conflict when, you know, there's big decisions being made in the world and half of people just don't understand each other and the other half doesn't understand what it's like to not really have anxiety or depression. So many people live so acceptable with it that it's almost kind of like common to have these irrational fears and to kind of really just be socially accepted. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it being socially accepted. Honestly, I, I feel like there's a lot of things that that are not socially acceptable that should be socially acceptable. But I'm getting off topic. When it comes to anxiety and irrational fears, I think it's important to talk about them and address them and confront them. Um, because what happens is you build up this, as I was saying before, density of energy where it gets very heavy, where very, very simple, light, almost beautiful experiences can be met with extraordinary fear and resistance and completely dismantle the energy field in that entire area and situation. And for people that aren't super equipped to be able to kind of navigate such dense energies, 
are susceptible to being swayed or to being, you know, manipulated by that energy, inevitably. You know, not on purpose. You know, people that have anxiety and depression don't mean to do that. If anything, it makes it worse when they realize that, well, why don't I have any friends? Why doesn't anybody want to talk to me? Why does everybody get so angry around me? Why is nobody ever so happy around me? Well, it's because they're walking around with this cloud of dense energy that just, like, like it's like a, a vacuum that just sucks in and vaporizes all of the positive energy in the area. And that's where it comes into depression and anxiety being in a spiritual um, origin sense. Like, where does that come in? Because I know that I, when I was starting to lose my way, I didn't want to think about or talk about anything with anybody. I really, I mean, I wanted to talk about things, but I wanted to talk about, like, you know, look how, like, cool I am, or, like, here's what I think, but never, like, hey, I'm really struggling here, and, and I really need some help. I'm, I'm falling apart, and I feel like I'm watching my life sink into this hole, and I'm being encased by this by this coffin of glass that's full of water and I can't breathe and I'm drowning and everybody around me is just looking at me, getting pissed at me. Of course, of course, something like that could bring you to suicide, especially when nobody around you feels like they'll understand or sympathize or give you the, sometimes the fucking time of day. Sometimes it gets really hard because it's a lonely battle. A lot of it might be self-caused, but that's kind of the disease of depression. The, the... The symptoms of depression is you inevitable social uh, social isolation isolation social isolation um, social isolation uh, you kind of reject things lack of interest no motivation no drive no will to keep moving on no hope or just a hopeless miserable and bitter and pessimistic reality that it becomes. Depending on what type of depression you deal with. Because sometimes people can go through bouts of mania where their depression is met with this really high, high, just super energetic, almost spiritual experience-like stuff that'd be kind of like a, uh, a bipolar disorder type of ordeal. Um, but even those vary from person to person. Everybody's different. Um... But for the most part, just general anxiety, or general depression, general anxiety, either or, you choose. Um, I mean, it literally impacts everything around you. And, you know, I don't know where I would be if I didn't end up getting forced. I got forced into getting help. I didn't want it. I was I was gone. I didn't want help. I wanted to be left behind and to dissipate and fade away into the blurry background of of, you know, distant fuzzy memories past. I just wanted to be left there. I didn't want anybody to follow me or to fight for me. I just wanted to go. And you know, I tried. I could say probably not very hard. I could have tried harder. But I can say too that I still got to the point where it was basically I made a decision where 
the risks of me dying was quite high, and I decided to choose that. There was no alternative to that. It was basically just like, maybe I'll die, maybe I won't. We'll find out. And that was the position that I had found myself in. I'd say probably about six, six and a half years ago at this point. Time flies. It feels like yesterday sometimes. But, uh, man, it brought me low. Medications weren't helping me. At least I didn't want them to. Because, well, they didn't really make me high. And, you know, I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic. Um, recovered, yes, but I would like to say recovering because it's kind of a never-ending process. Um, but, um, I got off track. Uh, yeah, those medications at that time, they weren't helping me because I didn't really want to give them a chance. I wanted to do things my own way and for some parts, I'm kind of glad that I did. You know, I had some really great times in there. I, I really did. Not to reminisce and say it was all glorified. No, there was it, it brought me to a place that was way lower. But by some good times, I mean, I met some really beautiful people. And I got to share some really, uh, some really deep, growing experiences with some really beautiful people in this world. Yeah, sure, most of them, we've parted our separate ways and gone in different paths on life. That's fine. But I still got to meet some really incredible people and get to spend some... Some really heartfelt, you know, burrow down moments with, with my homies. And, oh, you know, Dev was one of them. Dev was one of my homies. Dev's back in the game now with me. He's uh, chilling, you know, does, living that sobriety life. And honestly, I couldn't be happier with it. And I think Dev's happy too. Yes, there were good times in there. And I do credit, um, you know, a spiritual, a spiritually oriented use of uh, psychotropic medications, psychedelic medications. I genuinely do think have had profound, had a profound impact on the severity of my depression. Completely, completely wiped it away for a period in time. And, you know, I did I did LSD so much, so often, that basically what LSD does is it floods your serotonin receptors, and it's basically the same... It, it basically fits into the same receptors as serotonin. So it replaces your serotonin, which is in charge of cognition, uh, uh, thought cognition, um, I, I believe visual... Um, I, I think I might be wrong with that one, but it, it's thought cognition, uh, memory recall, perception, you know, it, that's the kind of, uh, that's what your serotonin does. And when it replaces your serotonin, basically you're having an extremely familiar sense of reality, but through a different lens. You're literally chemically altering the way you perceive reality. Um, and you do that so often that... I did that so often that when I stopped, my brain wasn't producing a sufficient amount of serotonin. And so, and and this is all, you know, inferred. I, I didn't go and get, like, my brain chemistry, uh, you know, scientifically observed. But, you know, I, let's just say I've been through a thing or two and I can, I, I know what that feels like. And, uh. That's what it does anyways. It's just like uh, 
anything else, if you take too much melatonin, your brain will stop producing melatonin. You're going to have to stop taking it and let your brain start to naturally produce again. That's what I had to do with serotonin, which basically what that ended up was I had to spend a few months of a period in time basically feeling very little emotion. It's a very stagnant in a rut, uh, kind of a, a lowered sense of reality. I, I was very, my, my thoughts were very hard to process. Um, I was just kind of talking like this and just, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> what? Uh, you know, I had to really, really think about really simple things. Like ask me what I ate for breakfast yesterday. Uh, man, it would have taken me like a month to try and come up with that answer. And it would have probably been, probably been wrong. Um, on top of that, you know, like just my, yeah, my speech was really kind of like drawn out. I sounded like a hippie, man. Turns out I feel like that's kind of caused by LSD. Turns out if you talk like that, that tells you something. Um... I also was smoking so much weed and I had stopped doing everything because I kind of got forced into that situation. Long story, but I'm glad now. At the moment, it was the worst fucking thing in my life. It was the last thing I wanted to happen. I mean, who wants to get arrested, right? I am so grateful that I got arrested, as funny as that sounds, because it literally altered my life in such an amazing way. And now I can genuinely say I have gratitude and that I can sit back and truly experience this amazing grace, the, 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 this amazing reality, this amazing life, these beautiful people in all, their, in all their presentations, happy, sad, anxious, depressed. I get to experience that today. I just wanted to throw that in there. But again, I was talking about that density of energy. So I've been through that type of depression where it was self-caused, um, basically trying to uh, recover from drug use. Um, what's the word? Kind of like a long-term withdrawal symptom of heavy acid use, LSD use. Um, but I've also, before I even started doing drugs, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And I just was so honestly when I look back at it in retrospect I was heartbroken I thought I was in love with this girl and turns out I wasn't and then I thought I was in love with this other girl and that one lasted for like four years I was just so in love with this girl didn't ever date her I just chased her and chased her and chased her and I was dumb and I thought that she I thought that you know like she was had had my my heart in mind, and it turns out she was using me to basically make another guy jealous for like four years. It's just this weird game on and off for that whole period of time when I was in high school. Oh man, I was so fucking confused and just mad, angry, upset, heartbroken, bitter. I dropped out of sports, lost all my friends. Started getting a new group of friends where we did drugs every day, and I tried to kill myself like multiple times, and on top of just taking grotesque amounts of LSD or mushrooms or pot or alcohol, like more than any 18 year old kid should, drinking like half my body weight in alcohol. You know, I'm surprised I didn't die from just that. 
And we were all doing that on a regular basis. My whole group of friends was all the burnouts, people that were dropping out of high school or going to the, the like, school for the, the troubled children, the, like, easier way you get the diploma. It was it's just like another high school that is for kids that have a tr- hard time with truancy or other issues that they basically just make it, like, a lot easier to graduate. Um all my friends were going to that. All my friends were dropping out of that even or just giving up really, really burnt out. Like our whole group was like the kids that started smoking weed when they were in like sixth grade. Um, that was how dramatic of a change. That's where depression and anxiety took me. It took me to the place that was just so low. And in the time, I didn't even want to think about it or look at it. I just wanted to to numb myself silly. I wanted to numb myself just so I just couldn't sit there and experience depression. And all it did was dig me deeper and deeper and deeper into this hole. Um, the reason why I, I wanted to talk about that story and bring that stuff up is because I know that there's a lot of people out here today that that suffer from from anxiety and depression. And a lot of those people are simultaneously suffering with anxiety or depression or both. Also, potentially other mental illnesses, along with having traumatic childhood issues, along with actively having drug addictions and going through their adolescence and trying to start their life in young adulthood. So that's where I was. I know that there's a lot of people out there going through the same exact thing. And nobody... Nobody wants to hear it. They think it's it's okay, and it maybe it is. But but I know too many people that have died from drug addiction. I mean, sure, other people know way more people that died from from drugs. But to me, honestly, losing one, losing one meaningful person in my life due to heroin. That's enough for me. It doesn't have to be 20 people that I know. It's just one that I need to know. And I promise you there's more. There's at least four or five, you know, that were significant in my life at one time. And that's where life brought them. Um, that that That's a sickness that, that takes you to a place that That's just so incomprehensible to people that have never done drugs or, or, or dealt with really hardcore depression or anxiety or any kind of chronic illness. Because to the outside perspective, it, it really looks like they're choosing to do that. And to some extent, yeah, but really the illness of addiction and alcoholism is it literally takes over control of you. It literally completely rules you. It throws you around, it beats you in, bashes your brains out, and forces you to do whatever you fucking can to get there and to to keep drinking. You'll do some shitty things, you'll do some really shitty things, and you're not yourself. You don't feel yourself because you're sick. You don't feel normal anymore. You get so used to feeling normal, but your normal is actually being high. When you take a drug, you get so used to it, you don't feel high anymore. That just becomes your normal. And when the high comes down, now you feel sick and you feel shitty because you don't feel normal anymore. You feel less than normal. 
because the normal that you've gotten so used to is extremely high and baked out of your fucking mind. So anytime that goes down, of course you're fucking miserable again. Because you have all this unacknowledged depression and anxiety. And the last thing you want to do, the very last thing you want to do is fucking confront it. You want to fucking hide and run from it. I get it. I get it. Man. It's really, really hard to confront yourself. To look at yourself and your own evil eye. To look at the darkness that you have within you. Because you could be the most spiritually fit person ever. If you don't acknowledge that you have some evil or some darkness in you, uh, then, I, I mean, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you got some work to do. Because it's there. It doesn't mean that you're evil. It just means you have some stuff that you got to deal with. And it comes out in all types of different ways. For me, it ended up coming out in drugs and alcohol and just being a shitty person. And, you know, I'd say probably sex, too. Um, not as much as drugs and stuff, but, you know, like, I had my own issues there as well. Um, I think that, like, some people let it out in violent, angry outbursts. Some people let it out in utter self-obsession. Some people let it out in completely abandoning themselves in any situation and, and disguising it by just focusing nothing but on other people all the time. Completely eliminating any responsibility for themselves or their own issues. Sure, it's nice to, to completely give yourself away to another person, um, but honestly, it's, it's kind of codependency in a way that you are completely giving up on yourself. Completely giving up on yourself. And completely ignoring and, and not even really focusing on the things that you're going through and your emotional fluctuations simply just to to avoid yourself and and justify it by doing a good deed by helping another person and hyper focusing on them doing nothing but really focusing on them and their happiness but not your own because ultimately it leads to resentful bitter and 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 feelings of lack because you want to blame the other person that you gave all that sacrifice and time and energy to. You want to blame that person. Because it feels like, well, they should be giving me that same energy. They should be focusing on me and taking care of me. Well, most people aren't that aren't that way. Most people aren't super codependent. So it's hard for a codependent person to really see outside of why other people might aren't codependent. And they feel like... Well, that person's doing them wrong, but really they're doing themselves injustice and then blaming another person and ultimately pushing away the people that love and care about them in their life. And then they end up feeling lonely and they have these attachment issues. That's another symptom of, of that, that spiritual illness, that density of energy. Um, other ones could be, um, you know, gambling addictions. It doesn't even have to be addictions. It's just... Uh, you know, a chronic lying, uh, lack of uh, uh, some sort of bigotry, racism. It can come out in racism or sexism, or it could come out in in uh, completely not giving a shit about what anybody says and just like talking about nonsense all the time. It could literally come out as that. Um, we all have that darkness. We all have that dense energy. We all have a shadow self. Um, 
Yeah, I prefer to call it shadow self, not evil self, but but it can be useful at times to use that word because it does... Shadow self can seem kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, it's, you know, it's just the shadow self. It's just, you know, not acknowledged or really, you know, I'm not really super aware of it. But it, it, I feel like it doesn't do the, the depth, the depth of darkness that that evil might bring out you know when you use it in times because some people don't really look at themselves or really even think that they are capable of anything they really don't know how to be honest with themselves believe me i know i'm no perfect angel either i promise you that just crazy yeah it's not life's too short life is just too damn short to drag your feet on taking taking a look at that hard self taking a really long hard look and really trying to learn and grow as a person from those things because for one, you're eliminating a lot of suffering in your own life and the people's lives around you. But if you have that anxiety that's making you afraid and fearful to even do that, well, that can make it really difficult. That can make it really difficult to confront that part of yourself if you are like hypersensitive to the fear of doing just that. Having like an existential crisis anytime anything happens that you don't understand. I mean, that's scary. It's a scary situation to be in. I feel like in the spiritual community, there's such this heavy focus on love, light. Don't get me wrong. It's great to talk about that stuff. It's really, really beautiful. It really is. But there comes a point that I have found, at least with myself and in my life, which is what I'm sharing from my experience, is it doesn't really feel super practical when I'm going through some shit. If I just sit there and just, like, you know, pray for love and light, I'm not really doing any work. I'm not changing anything. And it doesn't always have to be about me doing the work. Sometimes I can give that shit up to God. Let God take care of what I can't do for myself. That's how I ended up getting sober. I didn't do that shit. But. But we never are going to grow until we acknowledge and confront that darkness. I mean, a seed grows underground in complete darkness. A seed doesn't grow from sunlight. A seed grows from pressure, dense dirt and darkness, clay and, and mud that's what gets you to break, to really stretch your roots out and actually grow, to breach the surface and eventually grow into a thriving being and bloom and blossom your consciousness. That all starts in the depths of despair and, and, and really, really just owning it, owning it. You run from it and run and run and run. You're neglecting to allow yourself to truly grow spiritually and you will end up getting kicked around and, and beat up and become a victim to your own mental um, 
with your own mental shortcomings. And I don't mean shortcomings as though like they're lacking. I just mean in your own self-caused, your own neuroses causing your own patterns of pain because you neglect to take a look at yourself because you neglect to really, really take that good, hard sit in your feeling. I've heard people say dark night of the soul. I could, I don't even understand how somebody could go through all of that in one night and feel like, yep, now I'm done. Cause man, I've been going through it for years now on and off. It's not just constant pain and suffering, you know, but I'm always learning more about myself. I'm always learning, oh shit, I didn't even give any attention to that thing that I do, and that's horrible. I didn't even acknowledge, I didn't even recognize that I was doing that. Things like that come up all the time. You know, I've you know, i been through some really, really heavy mushroom trips, and they bring you deep, deep. They, it's basically like locking yourself in the room with a demon when you have a bad trip. And the demon just sits there and is really just like, you're a piece of shit. Really brings that, like, the worst worst self-analysis out possible and hyper hyper focuses on it and there's nowhere to run there's nowhere to hide you're just stuck in it for like hours i've been through several of those and i still am i'm still not done so this whole dark night of the soul thing i think it's more of a like a dark few years of the soul maybe just a dark every now and again of the soul you know but it's not like this fearful like deranged like satanic torturing of yourself i mean some people are that way i'm mean, really some people are really i know i shouldn't say you know not <laughs> i shouldn't say that entirely i don't i don't personally know anybody that does like hardcore self-mutilation and gets pleasure out of it but there are absolutely people out there that do that i don't understand it but hey i'm not gonna judge if Whatever, you know, whatever. You're not hurting anybody. You're just doing something that gives you pleasure. Go for it. I don't, I don't know anybody that does that. I've never heard a personal perspective about that stuff, but I'm just going to stop commenting on that. Um, (laughs) I think we all deal with our own childhood issues as well. You know, like, you know, mom or dad didn't love you enough or... You know, they really fucking hurt you a lot. Or, you know, I know quite a few people. Oh, man. You know, more than quite a few people that have been raped when they were children. And that's just the worst. Oh, that ruins. That ruins their life for so long. I mean, if you're out there, if if there's somebody out there that that can just straight up rape a child I mean that's one thing I won't come to an acceptance of very soon I don't see myself really being like trying to justify that shit cause that is that that's that's another level I mean you're destroying you are you're taking the pure blossom of the pure bulb of innocence and, and just absolutely destroying it and creating so much pain and suffering for a lifetime how many of those how many of those kids that end up getting uh that were raped when they were children end up either being a perpetrator of abuse later on in their life or end up killing themselves 
or just suffer and never come to acceptance with it for their entire life. I I can't tell you how many people I've come across in the spiritual community that that's that's what they're dealing with. Nobody wants to talk about that subject. It's really, really difficult to talk about. Nobody wants... I, I don't fucking want to picture it or think about that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, that stuff still happens. That stuff is happening every day. Children are going missing. The bodies are being found. Your children are being found. There's fucking predators all over the goddamn internet. That stuff happens every day, and if we don't acknowledge it... And if we don't swallow that hard pill and really come to terms and accept that there are some shithole people out there that will do some really horrible things to children, we got to come together and put a stop to that. I mean that. We really got to put a stop to that. You know, whatever that takes. You know, we're over here trying to donate money to... I don't even know, some random homeless shelter or something, which, don't get me wrong, that's great to do. Do charity work. That's a really beautiful thing to do, you know? Do charity work and donate to homeless shelters and all that stuff. But we got to put more attention into human trafficking and, and, and put a fucking stop to that. Because believe me, the research that I've done... There are some people in some powerful places that are in intimately involved in that, that whole sphere of criminal activity, that whole sphere of, of horrible, nightmarish, unforgivable, literally abducting children and women and, and men too from their from their families, from their lives, and, and, and literally just like sedating them with drugs and using them as sex slaves, I mean, children, and then using those children and the people that they have, sleep with those children, filming it, and then using it to blackmail them, I mean, I mean, good, if you're gonna fucking rape a child, you better be blackmailed, but you better be in jail, actually, you know, like, I mean, just that whole, that is just such a mess going on there, and there are some really powerful people, I'm sure there are names that any of these listeners would know. You know, I can't say who for sure, because I don't really know. I, Jeffrey Epstein, for one, and Ghislaine Maxwell, they, we know all about that. And you think that is just the surface. That is just the surface. That is just the very brink of the surface of just how deep that rabbit hole goes. And I'm not going to sit here and go down that whole rabbit hole right now, but, I mean, listeners, please, please just take a moment and, and you know, if you pray... Send out a prayer for the children and for the for the the victims of human trafficking. Send out a prayer for them. Do, you know, like donate money to a charity that that's working towards that, or you know, help spread awareness of you know missing children, um, and and keep track of amber amber alerts and stuff like that. Take that stuff seriously, cause cause. Cause if, if if none of us do, then then who's giving that who's giving that kid a chance? Who's giving that woman a chance? Who's giving who's giving those people a chance? 
if 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 we don't come together and put a fucking end to to that to really make the people that are doing that pay and and hold them accountable for the for the pure destruction and and if anything that is evil that evil that they are spreading if anything that's evil if we don't put an end to that stuff and come together i'm sorry i'm going to i'm going to stop that rant now I'm just getting a little worked up from it. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done a podcast. It's, uh... It's, it's been a busy time in my life. I started medic school, um, a paramedic school, and that is literally consuming my entire life. It's, you know, that on top of trying to manage getting my work together. And paramedic school is also involving the homework, um, ride time with fire departments, uh, clinical hours in the hospital, uh, our lab skills and off time of class, uh, and trying to work, and trying to still maintain some bit of a social life, uh, have, maintain my relationship with my girlfriend and my family. It is very, very, very time-consuming and energy-consuming as well. So podcasts are going to be sparse for about the next year. So I apologize for that if you really like listening to these, but doing the best I can. paramedic school is quite the adventure. I'll try and talk more about that when I actually feel like I've really learned some deep stuff. Um, right now I still feel like we're reviewing or just kind of like over dealing, uh, you know, the EMT type of stuff. We haven't gotten into really hardcore new skills like cardiac monitoring and stuff. So maybe I'll end up talking a little bit more about that as time goes on. Um, I just went to Nashville with my girlfriend. We went to the Pilgrimage Music and Cultural Festival. It's in Franklin, Tennessee, about 20 minutes south of Nashville. Man, was that good. That was so cool. You know, I got to see two of my favorite bands play at the same concert. So Cage the Elephant, my favorite band. The Black Keys, another one of my favorite bands. And I've liked them since, like, before they were famous. I mean, they're out of Akron. I'm in Cleveland. You know, like, my brother was listening to them back before they really made made any really big record deals or anything. And, and uh, I grew up listening to them. So I got to see The Black Keys and KG Elephant in the same concert. Also the Dave Matthews Band. Which I'm not as familiar with that music, but, I mean, shit, he's talented as hell. Uh, they all are the whole band. Um, man, their their uh, trumpet player was wild. He was so good. Um, Houndmouth Crumb uh, Crumbin. Uh, there's several other bands there too, uh, but oh, that was really cool. I spent a lot of I spent a lot of money though. <laughs>
Hmm. I still don't understand what this whole Cobra thing is. If anybody out here listening recognizes what Cobra is, I'd love, love to hear a comment back. Uh, that would be great. Um, I feel like Cobra is like the cabal, but like, are they or what's going on there? I'm not really sure. I just, I've been getting a lot of Cobra references popping up into my life lately. It's been really getting me to like think like intuitively. I keep getting all Cobra, Cobra. I'm trying to think, well, why? Like what, what exactly is that? You know, I didn't do any research on that before I did this podcast. So that'd be nice to hear about, but. Yeah. Can't wait for the Day of the Dead to come in. Gonna do some ancestor stuff. If I have time, because medic school's consuming me. Um, okay, well, at this point, I'm going to take a brief intermission. Uh... I have to go use the restroom and get some water, and I will be right back. Thank you for listening so far.
Hello, welcome back from our intermission. Um, yeah, it's a it's a good time to be alive. Honestly, it really is. I know times get rough. Times get real rough, especially last year and this year. Things dragging on. It feels like the world's falling apart. You gotta have all this hope and faith or you're just dwelling in chaos and disorder. And there's a lot of confusion, a lot of twists and turns and unclear things that are happening. And it can be very frustrating. But man, this is the time to be alive. I don't mean that in comparison to any other time in history, really. I wasn't really there. I mean, I heard about things that have happened over the centuries and millennia in human history, but I mean, right now, right now, we are literally the driving edge, the 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 waking force of conscious life at this very moment. We are it. There's no other experience other than this right now. The breath of air, the beating of a heart, the sound of birds chirping or cars driving down the road, no matter what it is, it is everything it is literally everything all of it is happening right now at this very moment all of eternity every single speck of the universe is currently happening at this very moment <coughs> so what do we got to be afraid of Non-experience, suffering, the unknown, knowing too much. I don't really know. Everybody's different, I guess. You know, I initially wanted to do this podcast because I just haven't done one in a while and I was really feeling like Like, it's time. It's time to do one again. It's been so long. I've been going through it. Just, you know, really working on the the physical stuff in life right now. And I feel like I've kind of straight up, straight out a little bit from, from my, uh, my connection to the spirit. I feel like I was getting really angry and bitter. Resentful. And to some degree, I feel like I have my reasons to feel the way that I feel about some certain things in this life, but ultimately, 
my regret. Everything that has ever happened has led to this right now with what I have. This sounds so bad. I have a house. I have things. I have recreational objects that I collect. Like crystals and uh, a model boat collection. Stickers, pins, patches, like... What do I... What do I need? The material stuff isn't gonna fulfill anything, you know? I can't take it with me when I pass on this world. When I die. Could be tomorrow, could be today, could be 80 years from now. But the stuff that I have isn't coming with me. That's gonna stay here. Where will I go? I don't really know. Where does anybody go when we die? We can have our beliefs. Have pretty confident faith in what happens to us after life, and I respect that. I like that. I've covered that topic so much and had so much discussion about that. And I can still honestly say I'm still not too sure. I definitely don't think it just ends. I think there's something vastly more sophisticated and elaborate and incomprehensible going on that it's not even worth it for me to sit there and try to figure out what's going to happen to me in the future when I die. It'll happen when I pass, whatever it is. If it's nothing, then nothing will happen. If it's something else, then that something else will happen. But right now I have this moment, this little slice of experience that I am awake in now. I have that. I sacrifice this eternal, beautiful, amazing moment to worry about something that I could never truly answer or have the... I don't know. I think it's important to reflect on that stuff. But I also think it's important not to become too attached to those beliefs. Because as we grow, as we learn, and as we unfold across this life, chapter by chapter, our perceptions change, our, our opinions, our feelings, our, our, our faith, our, our understandings change. If I cling to a belief that I had a year ago, well, then I'm neglecting all of the change that I've been through over this past year that's shaped the way I view the world around me, the way I view other people, the way I view myself, my friends, spirituality, just the, the system of the world as it works or doesn't work, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so much has changed in just such a short period of time. 
just it feels unreal feels like I went from being one person and shifted slowly over time into being just in such a different place than I was just two years ago just one year ago really just a year ago Oh, if I sit here and I think, oh, I was in such a happier place then. Look how unhappy I am now or stressed I am now. Just think about where I could be in a year from now. Who knows? It could be incredible. It could be a lot worse. I don't really know. But all I do know is if I can work at and at becoming content with this moment as it is now and accept that... This is what's happening. That the happening of current circumstance is just exactly what happens. That's what life is. That's what life does. Life creates that. Existence creates this. This is a creation of existence. And it is perfect. In so much perfection of detail that I can't even comprehend its beauty. I don't understand things. That's where I can be wrong. I, I can find that I'm, I'm, I'm dwelling in, in resentment and trying to change something that I cannot change. When I can't accept life on life's terms. When I can't accept that the occurrence of experience has presented a situation that I find myself disagreeing with. <laughs> Of course I'm going to be miserable if I'm constantly trying to change life on how it is. I I would feel I would I would constantly be fucking miserable and angry and bitter cuz I'm trying to change something that just isn't changeable. It's just not something that I can change. And that's life. The circumstances of current moments. There are things I can do to alter the direction that I feel as though I'm heading. But ultimately, we don't know. I could feel like I am doing everything it takes to, to get to one place, and then a meteor hits, and then none of it happens. And now I'm in a completely different place than I thought I was heading that whole time. And that whole time I was focused on where I was heading, but not where I was at that moment. And I was unhappy doing it. Maybe I was happy. But I can't tell you how too many people that I know that are super happy doing nothing but focusing on the future. I think you can be happy when thinking about the future and fantasizing about the future. But you're just completely neglecting the very pure, awake consciousness that we have before us in this moment of now. And if you find yourself being upset and sad and resentful and angry at the past or the future... Just know you got to accept it for what it is. It's not changeable. You will be bitter and angry and unhappy. Continuously trying to change something that just is not capable of being changed. The past. The future. I heard somebody say that uh, anxiety is basically trying to control the future with your mind. And I thought that was pretty good, honestly. Like, I get that. But it's not necessarily anxiety, I would say. But it, it's kind of like, you know, trying to control the future with your mind. Trying to, you know, like, I, I don't, it just explains it pretty well, you know. 
anxiety sure isn't just thinking about the future. But, you know, it's a big, you're, pretend, you're, you're analyzing the future potential of a situation. Usually you're going into something with anxiety because you're anxious about the situation you're heading into. The anxiety usually is present, sure, when you're in that situation that you were fearful of. But the anxiety was also a build-up to that, you know? Sometimes it's random, man. Really awful things do happen. Really beautiful things happen, too. We can't get caught in this extremely polaristic, optimistic versus pessimistic reality. It's just like black and white. It's that duality. You can transcend duality, which is a very fancy way of saying stop looking at things as though it is either this or that and recognize that things are a spectrum of... A, a spectrum of energies that it's not just this or that it's not just good or bad it's not just like smart or dumb it's not just black or white it's you know there's so much else and recognizing that it's not it, it, it's not just this or that you know it's not just happy or sad and there's so many other emotions so many other colors so many other just feelings, so many other textures and, and phrases and languages and species and just scopes of existence entirely. There's so much else. We put so much importance in such tiny, minute little things. In the grand scheme of what life itself is, we sacrifice so much enjoyment and so much fulfillment attempting to change unchangeable things that are so insignificant and meaningless to our lives at points. Yes, some things do have a lot of gravity to it, but sometimes just because somebody cut you off in traffic and flicked you off, you didn't die. It was wrong of them, yes. But you don't have to sit there and dwell on it, get super pissed, and then use that as justification to come home and yell at your wife or whatever reason, you know, just because you're pissed or you're anxious that you need to make everybody else around you that way. No, you don't. No, we don't. We don't need to do that. I used to think that, like, the whole purpose of spirituality was to murder the ego. Well, I personally didn't think in that specific phrase, murder the ego. But the idea that I had was that we needed to completely reject ourselves and jam ourselves down and completely deny ourselves of all all desire, all hope, all anything. We just completely get rid of yourself. I really thought that. I tried so hard to just get rid of myself. I hated myself. Why do I have this stupid ego? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yes, it matters to some extent. But you're not going to get anywhere completely trying to reject yourself. 
but you're also it's it's just the same it's the double side of that coin of completely and utterly embracing yourself at all costs despite what anybody thinks you will get your way versus I will completely reject myself and not give my any way I don't need any way it's two sides of the same coin you know like it's like extremely narcissistic or extremely self-loathing there's a lot in between and you know what we can accept each other and love each other and get along and grow with more of a fluid ego than no ego at all because of course we're going to have ego we are our own scopes and centers of experience we see the world from our eyes from our ears from our touch from our tongue from our nose that's how we experience the world it's separate from the others yes it is also not separate but that's a greater that's a uh, that's a greater unity i i mean I'm looking at the wall from my direction and somebody else is looking at the wall from the outside direction and and we're not we're, we're seeing the same wall but it looks different to us it's a different experience so since I have a different experience from that scope of experience that soul that person we're going to have that there, there there is a uniqueness to our to our perception of reality to our experience in deep states of meditation, you can transcend that, and you can go into these deep states of bliss, but it's entirely unpractical, honestly, to live in a world and be able to cooperate with each other if we literally don't have a sense of self at all. I mean, I, I don't know, I guess I'm not giving that a fair chance, I just I don't see how that could work. I mean, yes, I see how having a sense of self causes a lot of issues, but having no sense of self, which, by the way, is absolutely foolish to have no sense of self. I mean, that's that. What what is that? Nothing. You're not experiencing anything. You're, there is no I am experiencing. It is just pure, utter experience. I can say I feel like, you know, in certain states of mind, I feel like I have been able to experience something. I like to call it ego breath because I think ego death is kind of... Um, uh, what's the word? I think ego death is kind of too intense of a word. I say ego breath because it's kind of like, you know, there's space in between your breaths. You breathe in, you exhale, and then there's just like a pause. And then you breathe in again, then you exhale. That space in between your breath, nothing's happening. But your breath is inhaling oxygen, doing the oxygen exchange, exhaling. And then... There's a pausing moment. I consider you can experience moments of of non-experience, I guess you could say. It, it doesn't really make sense when you try to articulate it. It's not really sayable. But you can experience little bouts of just like pure, utter experience. There's no sense of self. You just, You can literally feel true unity. You can literally be that. You can tap into that. That's what you are at your core is the very essence of life force energy, experience, awareness, consciousness. You can literally fall into this vast ocean of infinite experience. But, you know, if you do that all the time, I feel like you get pretty damn bored. If you're just constantly infinite all the time, it's kind of fun to be finite, you know? It's kind of fun a little bit, a little bit, to forget that you're everything. 
and to truly, with your whole heart, believe that you are something other than everything else. And that's what the ego is. So we don't have to hate that. It's, it's a game. It's a little game that life created for us to experience. For, for, for life to experience itself in a position that it can't remember who it is. Can't remember what it is. Can't, oh, that's right. Oh, I'm all of it. I'm not just me. I'm you. I'm that tree. I'm the, I'm the one who's seeing out of that bird's eye. And God is looking at you through my eyes. And my eyes are looking back at God. And uh, I said that wrong. <laughs> I heard somebody say this. I was on a retreat. And, you know, she's just the sweetest lady. And she goes, honey... God is looking at you through my eyes right now. And man, that just filled my heart. I got goosebumps from that. Just, God is looking at me through your... Uh, God is looking at you through my eyes right now. And I'm like, God's looking right back at you. And it was just such a nice little moment to recognize, you know. It, it's like, I feel like the true meaning of what Namaste means is like the divine within me recognizes the divine within you. But we're just saying it in our own, like, cultural uh, understanding of language and how to express what we're experiencing at that moment together. And it's just God's looking at you through my eyes and God's looking right back at you. And, like, there's nothing more beautiful than that. I mean, I guess beauty's in the eye of the beholder, sure, whatever. We can go on and on and on about all this philosophical, well, maybe, but not specifically, specifically. Just relax. It's all right. It's 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 all right, honestly. Don't worry. Be happy. You know, what do we got to truly worry about? It's only the ego that wants to say that other ego's perception isn't accurate enough. You're saying this, but you're fooling yourself. I'm more correct than you. Okay. Tell me what, 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 you, what you see, and I'll tell you what I see, and we can respect that. If we both feel truly fulfilled by our philosophies, and we're not trying to kill each other over it, and it doesn't really matter who's correct or who's not correct. We're all correct. I mean, the true depth of what infinity really means, the, the true depth of infinite, is that literally everything is correct. There is no such thing as wrongness in an infinite reality. Because there's literally an infinite version of every single... There, there is an endless... There is an endless possibility of... Anything and everything, in any possible situation, in any little bit of even remotely minute detail. The, the shifting of atoms could be one millimeter apart, no less, uh, uh, nanometers apart. But that's still a completely different set of existence and possibility. You know, th th that is, I mean, I, I could go on, like, there is an the candle in front of me. There is an infinite amount of possibilities of what that candle could be. But right now, I get to experience this candle as it is in this form. Of all the infinite possibilities, this is what happened. 
this is the candle that I see before me. I don't see any other candle other than this one before me. But it could have been literally anything. It could have been a bottle of wine. It could be a fishing pole. It could be any color of fishing pole. It could be any different lure, any different hook of fishing pole. It could be any different type of possible considerable wine. It could be a bottle of water. But no, it's a candle. And it's white. And it says strength on it. And it's right here in front of me. Of all the infinite possibilities, this is what I get. And to me, that is beautiful. That is worthy of my full utmost attention. But if I want to sacrifice it worrying about something that I cannot change, recognize just how absolutely impossibly unique the setting that you have before you truly is in every single detail. If you see trees around you, the specific grain on the leaves, all of it, it could have been anything, but it is this. It is what you see before you. Of all the infinite possibilities, that is the experience that you have before you. Recognize how how unique that truly is. The slight colorings and shades of the trees and the leaves. The differences in bark. The, you know, an ant placement on the tree. Anything. It could be a literally everything a bird's nest in the tree there could literally be a pirate ship on top of the tree but there's not there's what you see before you there's a black walnut falling off the tree a monkey ball anything but it is truly and most accurately and most perfectly exactly what it is right before you it's so unique it's so unutterably unique it's amazing that we don't just sit there in silence in awe just looking at it all the time that's why I love spirituality because it's just hey let's get together and experience this fucking wave of conscious energy that is spewing in this in this incredibly unique random but seemingly intelligently designed force of just occurrence that we all just woke up and found ourselves in let's get together and experience that let's just vibe out and sing praise to the to the the all sing praise to just being in this random occurrence that we just woke up in no idea what's going on we just are Let's get together and let's just, let's, let's praise it. Let's experience that. That's why I love spirituality. That's what I love doing what I do. That's why I love talking about this stuff. I think that anybody, anybody, anybody and everybody is so absolutely capable and worthy of just unconditional, pure love by existence. It's always there and open to us. All we have to do is really, like, wake up and recognize, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? The fuck is going on? What even is this? What am I? 
I don't know. Truly at the base root of it? I don't know. All I know is... All I can really, really think that I know is based in words that are made up of a, a finite language created by other people, describing ideas that were come up with by other people. And we sit back and just really look at it and go, wow, what in the fuck is happening? We have a sun? We literally are, like, really close to a star. And it, like, gives it burns our skin sometimes. We're that close that literally we watch it just come over every single day and just give us warmth. The giant floating ball of rock and gas and liquid that we are just like emerging from tilts slightly and now it's frozen. Now, now... One state of matter becomes another, and then it falls on us. Like, it's it, rain turns to snow. Snow turns to rain, just based on slight tilts of the rock that we're on. Right in the perfect spot by this star. And we're just emerging from it. We are made out of the very matter that makes up everything else that we see before us. We look at a door and say, that's inanimate. But why could we look at our skin just because it moves doesn't mean that, I mean, if you really want to get technical, the molecules of an of a door, just because it's solid, doesn't mean that they're still not moving and vibrating, just like our cells. Maybe we're a little more fluid, a little warmer. We are housing of, of awake consciousness. So we're becoming self-aware. We don't know if that door is self-aware or not. We just assume that it's not. We don't know. For all we know, every single atom and molecule across the entire universe is infinitely awake and intelligent and surrounding us and vibrating with this force of love. And we can just wake up and recognize that we have no fucking clue what the hell is going on. But it is fucking awesome. It is incredible and it's beautiful. What else more do we need? Do we need to gather more materials, more rocks? Go, you know, give somebody money so that we can put a bagel in our mouth? It's pretty simple. At the root of it, all we truly have to do to survive is be able to eat, drink water, sleep, poop and pee and breathe. Everything outside of that is extra. I'm not saying it's useful or that, that it's easy to just not do those things. But at the root of it, all it truly takes to be alive is those, those simple things, those survival needs. Air, water, food. Poop, pee, sleep. So think about that next time you have to go make an appointment to go and extend your car loan at some random credit union that is fucking you out of money and destroying your credit somehow and the IRS is auditing you at the same time as, you know, like uh, your 
your niece has a hand, foot, and mouth, and you have a deadline due at work, and, you know, the fucking... The, it hasn't rained in four months, and everybody's dying of a drought. Like, you know, like, I think about all of those things. I take back the rain thing, because that kind of destroys my point. But all these man-made things and all this entire man-made way of life that we created, this culture, this idea of uh, interdependent, uh, you know, we work our asses off for each other and give our entire lives to work to support each other so that we can all feed each other and, and make this whole uh, unit of uh, this whole matrix of a society to be interdependent on each other. And then, you know, we can clearly see the obvious ways in which we're being fucked. Like, you know, spending your entire life, sorry, spending, you know, let's say a good 35 years of your life working your ass off eight hours a day, five days a week, getting treated like shit most of the time and getting paid way less than you deserve and than you have earned. To come home and struggle to pay for your car that you need to be able to get to work. To pay for your house that is grotesquely expensive. So that you can pay for your things that you're putting in storage and locking away in the basement just to have around. Just to get sick and not be able to go to work, to not be able to pay your medical bills. But then having to pay your whole life into insurance and then the second you actually get sick, now they're charging you more because like, oh, well, you know, you go sick. And then you retire and now you're too old and worn out and beaten down and tired to fucking go out and travel and experience. Sure, you could probably do it if you really tried, but it's you've wasted the entire prime of your life. Probably working your ass off on a job that you don't even truly feel passionate about. That you feel isn't truly any purpose. Like you're working for a landscaping company to landscape some rich asshole's fucking yard in a very particular way. And then they're paying you nothing to do it. Um, you know, all that we truly need is to just breathe and drink and eat and poop and pee and sleep have shelter it's pretty simple things and we've complicated it so much sort of the point that suicide is a extremely common facet of our society of our societal matrix that it's so bad that instead of being able to sit here and vibe out with fucking life and this beautiful thing going on around us, we're literally choosing to end it early because we're so miserable and in pain from the shitty-ass society and the way that it treats us and handles us. The way that we're treated as though we're a social security number and uh, a taxpayer and an and insignificant voter, but we're not treated like a human being. I don't care who you are, what you look like, the color of your skin, your gender, anything. What you, Who you want to fuck, what you want to fuck, I don't care. I don't think most people really actually care either. But we're told to care. We're told that that makes a difference. 
We're told that somehow that makes us different from each other. That we're not all human, unique humans. And it pushes us into this place that is dog-eat-dog and we're killing ourselves. Children are killing themselves. I know kids that killed themselves in eighth grade. Suicide? You didn't even give yourself a chance, man. They didn't even give themselves a chance. They didn't even get... They didn't even get there. The misery was so strong that early on. The pressure was so intense. And the lack of love and understanding from the people around them was so intense. They didn't even make it to high school. They killed themselves. That's just one example. It's just one example. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. That's not just depression and anxiety. That's just a mental illness. That's societal. That's, it, is, it is a societally caused mental illness. I'm not saying depression and anxiety and mental illness hasn't existed throughout history. Because I think we've seen that. But I also know that all that we call history has been recorded by the same society as it evolved along to where we are now. So I don't doubt that people were super unhappy. When they were fucking crucifying people because they talked out against the state, they would literally fucking nail you to a boards of wood and hang you up in front of the street while people cheered as they watched you suffer to death. Those are the same people that led to the building of the society that we have now. That's where we came from. That's our roots. Not saying that there aren't good values that have come out of that. Things like freedom. But it's funny that we feel like we have to fight for freedom. Or that freedom is... Is a... Freedom is a... a what's the word? A privilege. And that it can be taken away... Until we do what we're told and then gets given back. Neglecting the fact entirely that we are divinely free and sovereign from anything else other than the true state of experience. That we always are at our root. We are literally always. We are common in that we are one in everything. So who the fuck is anybody, any government or any person at all to even tell us that like oh freedom is something you know we can take it away if need be uh no the fuck you can't and the mere fact that they that you think you can take freedom away is utterly delusional it is utterly delusional you know why because there's no such thing as non-freedom. We are infinitely free beings entirely. But avidya, a false perception. You can convince somebody that their experience is completely different. You can convince somebody, oh no, you're not free. And I'm giving you the right to be free. But if you don't do what I say, I can take that freedom away. And you go, oh, okay. That's how it is. And keep you ignorant. They keep you 
you know, whether it's on purpose or not, it's really great for controlling people when you can convince them that their reality is something other than their true nature, something other than what they truly are, this divinely infinite being who is free and sovereign. You can convince them at birth, right when they're born, completely fuck their mind by telling them all this crazy, batshit, insane indoctrination of societal social norms as if we're not born purely innocent and like literally the fresh out of the oven consciousness of experience and I'm immediately going to tell them like oh well you know you gotta go to school and like you know you can't you know you can't uh You can't, like, go outside without, like, clothes and shit, like, which I get it. We have to wear clothes and stuff. That's kind of where we're at right now. But honestly, though, like, tons of times that we really don't have to wear them. We just have taught our children and we were taught as children and the people that taught us were taught as children and so back and so back and so back that it is, it's, it's, it's a sin. It's it's horrible. If you want to just be as you are, just be as the thing that you are. Oh, you can't do that. That's crazy. That's sick. Like, what are the fuck are we telling ourselves? What the fuck are we telling our kids? And what the fuck did our parents tell us? That, like, we end up developing these fears that are so irrational like i said in the beginning of this podcast so irrational of fears that like i can't i can't walk on this checkered floor unless i step on only white boxes even though there's white and black boxes i can only step on the white boxes of the tile on this floor yeah i'm afraid to touch the black or or it's a compulsion like those are those are ticks, those are neuroses that are that are bizarre and created by societal uh, dysfunction. You know, we're not just born. I mean, yeah, there are there are autistic children born, and there there are you know true issues that are born. But we look at them as the they're issues, and they're not always issues. A lot of times, yeah, they genuinely impair a person's ability to be able to function and take care of themselves as a human being. There are a lot of times where they're extremely, extremely bright, intelligent kids. They have autism. They're on the spectrum. They're put in a separate class. They're, they're, they're told, you know, other kids are told that they're different. And, and they're told that they're special. And immediately now they're growing up and they have this beautiful gift. This extremely hyper-intelligence, maybe a specific subject that they are hyper-fixated on that they can just tell you literally every single possible detail about that that subject. I mean, to an incredible amount. How useful would that be if that were just naturally blossoming in society? Like a like a, a like a flower that is slightly different from the other flowers in the batch. It's still a beautiful flower and it still functions its purpose. In fact, it was probably it was probably emerged for a specific purpose. It probably just wasn't just like a defect of the universe. 
it was probably created because, well, either one, it could serve a divine purpose for some reason, just like a, a plant would in, in the wild. It serves a specific function, and it's an interconnected ecosystem. So are humans in, in that very way with our relationship to nature. Or it could be that our society has completely fucked ourselves to the point that now we're pumping so much shit into our bodies. And again, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but we're pumping so much shit into our bodies right at birth. And we also have like a lot of like new, newly discovered diseases and, and uh, autistic stuff and a lot of different things. And our diets probably have a huge play in that. You know, what a mother's womb is feeding into a kid. All these things, all these major factors. When we could literally be eating fruits and vegetables and making bread and living on a homestead. You know, it's not an easy life, but if we can make an honest, hard living doing the work that we would normally be putting into a job that doesn't serve us, a job that makes somebody else rich. Like, I used to work for Coca-Cola. Where that, that company feeds humans mass quantities of basically poison. I mean, just spewing diabetes into people pretty much. Um, they don't really serve any purpose other than recreational uh, function. Um, they don't pay their employees like super well. I mean, I didn't get paid that bad compared to what other places would make. But I mean, the I was working my ass off. I was pulling like 500 pound pallets. That shit was hard on my knees and my shoulders, my elbows, my wrists, my feet. And I got paid like, it was 10 bucks for an hour of that. I worked my ass off. You want to know who made all the money though? The people up at the top. The people that were sitting at the office making logistical decisions and mental things, not exerting their bodies and all of that stuff. Maybe they did that stuff to get to where they are, but... I mean... I, w I, I could use all the energy that I'm putting into to completely destroying my body for a low pay, for a job that's, that provides the people with a service that is recreational and is actually pretty bad for you. I could use all of that energy and put it into building a homestead, you know, taking care of some livestock, uh, having gardens and, um, uh, you know, small farm and raise a family and, you know, build a, build a, build a living off of that homestead, off of that farm, off of that small farm. You can pretty much make it work all year round if you play your cards right. I know my ancestors did for a long time. So why can't we still do that? Why can't I put all my hard work and energy into nourishing and feeding myself and being a free, independent, sovereign being like I was born to be? It feels like we're forced into a, a, a slot in this society that forces us to be dependent upon the system that, that doesn't have our best will in mind, doesn't, doesn't actually take care of us, doesn't actually doesn't actually doesn't actually cultivate happiness and contentment 
In fact, there's actually specific devices that are in power structures of this societal structure, of the societal matrix, that actually make dr- incredible, go through incredible lengths to divide us as people and turn us against each other and make us more unhappy. Because when we're unhappy and divided, we turn to them and ultimately give them more power because, well, they're the ones who make the decisions and they know how to pull levers to, to turn people against each other. And when stuff goes wrong, they look to you for power. And they, they when people are afraid, they'll give you so much more than if they're not afraid. You know, they'll give you so much more power. If you can make them afraid, they'll pretty much do whatever you want them to do. That's pretty much how power structures work on a societal level. Fear breeds more power into an individual. And we need less of that. I think, personal, in my opinion, we need less of that. We need less fear and more independence. Because... I don't I don't know how to do a lot of things that I that I would need to to be able to survive. I was never taught that. I was force-fed information that was that was so utterly boring and and uninteresting to me as a kid that they tried putting me on medication to get me to focus on it. They tried to force me to learn phonics and uh, you know, social studies and English and, you know, I get it. We can learn English and grammar and stuff and become literate. Sure, it's great for communication. But for f- 13 straight years of forced indoctrination of educational institutions without exception is is alarming and incredibly unstable and and breeds unhappiness. That's why you see kids in 8th grade, 6th grade, killing themselves. They fucking not dumb. Kids aren't dumb. Going to school, excited about life. Everything's interesting. You don't know that much. You're curious. You ask really great questions. And then come you graduate, you're fucking so burnt out and dead inside. And you got to go right into college and spend all of the money, if you even have any that you worked for, to just dump into this institution just for them to further indoctrinize you in an educational format in which they created. By they, I mean structures of matrix power control systems. Those who are in the power, those who make the decisions, those who literally decide what to educate our children with. What what are we teaching our children? Oh, well, we're going to teach them this. Oh, you don't agree with that? Or, or, or you see the world in a different way? Well, that sucks. They have to come here and we're teaching them this. If you don't care, well, or, or you know, if, if you don't like it, well, you can just suffer because your child has to come here. And no matter where they go, the same educational principles, generally. I just went on a whole ass rant about this world and this society and, you know, I think everybody's so afraid that it feels like it's collapsing right now, but honestly, is that so bad? Really, is that so bad? I mean, do you see how fucking unhappy most of our society is, or at least a vast quantity of our society is so unhappy, barely scraping by? 
when the people that are in lead and people that are, are making the decisions and being voted for and and have the, all the power also somehow seem to be wealthy and and don't really seem to be doing all that much all the time. Maybe the president is doing a lot. But honestly, they have a ton of advisors. It doesn't really seem like they're really hardcore straining themselves to fight for us and to really hear what we need to say. No, it actually feels like they go through a great effort to not give a shit about what we have to say. To, to, to really patronize and, and gaslight and, and downplay and devalue um, and, and uh, invalidate our societal struggles and our complaints. Uh, and they just chalk it up to, well, you know, that's, you know, not my job. That's somebody else's job. That's, well, we can't do anything about that now or, you know, whatever the reason is. It's just, is it really so bad that it's collapsing? I mean, yeah, it might be a little fucked up for a while while we restabilize and, and get something else established. Hopefully it's not something horrible. Hopefully it's not something worse. Maybe it won't be. As a wise person once told me, more will be revealed. And let's keep it like that. Short and sweet. More will be revealed. I don't have to sit here and try and control the future with my mind. I can speculate. I can complain about societal issues and problems all day long. But honestly, there is so much amazing shit going on too. I don't know. I'm running out of steam. That's all I got for today, folks. I just want you to know that uh, I love you. And I think that you are beautiful and that you are worthy. And that love is the basic underlying principle, the essence of all energy, all occurrence, all form, all non-form. Everything is based in the energy of true, incomprehensible, unconditional love. And that's why we suffer. We suffer because it's love. And you can understand it that way, or you could reject that. I'm not forcing my beliefs upon you. That's what I believe. And I just want you to know that you are loved. Hope you have a beautiful rest of your morning, uh, noon, midday, evening, and night. Came like-
a blind man I wondered along Worries and fears I claimed for my own Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more darkness, no more night Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside Praise the Lord, I saw the light Thank you.